Let us now turn to the word Luke 1.34. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin, <clears throat> the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Amen. One more, Hebrews 11, 3. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Amen. God is the creator. God is the creator. God is the creator. God is the creator. By his word, God created all things. Hebrews 11, 3, we just read in Genesis 1, John 1, 3. Um, and by his word, um, that is the word of truth, God gives birth to children. James 1, 18 says. So by his word, he created all things. And by the word of truth, he gives birth to children. So faith is to believe that the whole world was made by the word of God. Say amen if you believe that the whole world was made by God, but specifically by his word. Yes? People over here? Yes? If God made all things, that includes me. So the same faith also allows, uh, allows me to confess that I am a creation. How many of you believe that you're a creation? Turn to your neighbor. Are you a creation? And someone, maybe it's a new friend, they're like, eh, that's all right. Uh, that's why they came. They need to hear. But for most of us here who believe in the creator God, we say, amen. I am created. I am a creation. So faith life, having that faith as basis, I need to live my life. So based on that faith, my decision, my direction, my goal, my passion, everything uh, is in line with that faith. And that is to choose to choose to rather die than live, um, and it is put every effort for his word spoken to me be fulfilled, as Mary said. May your word to me be fulfilled. That's the latest translation. Be it unto me according to what you have said, or let it be done according to your word. So these are different translations. But may your word to me be fulfilled. That is my effort that I need the effort that I need to make as someone who believes that I'm a creation, that he is my creator, the creator of all things. And therefore I need to put every effort for his word to be fulfilled in me, in my life, even if it costs my life. That is my breath. So it's like, I'd rather choose to die than live if that word to me is not fulfilled. That was Mary's confession. So as you know of Mary, who receives this news of conceiving the Son of God while she is betrothed and she's virgin. So, and, and being a, a Jew, she understood the consequence of becoming pregnant as an unmarried woman, that she, she would be stoned to death. Still, however, she resolved, understanding that God, nothing is impossible with God, that 
her understanding and her faith in the creator God who created all things by his word allows her to confess this. And that is for the word of God spoken to her be fulfilled, even at the risk of losing her breath. And therefore we follow the same path, same faith. And that is to say, may your word to me be fulfilled. What do we say? May your word to me be fulfilled. Let your word be done. Let your word be done in me in simpler way. Um, Psalm 119.35 says, direct me in the path of your commands for there I find delight. So faith, uh, as we read in Hebrews 11.3, this uh, what you would call conservative faith. Again, I don't mean politics, political way, but conservative as in the biblical way. So if you believe in the word of God as written in the Bible, you ought to have faith that it shows, which is to believe that um, God created all things. That's called, how many of you believe that again? That's, that's the faith in creation, or some will call creationism, um, or creation. Believe it in the, uh, in the word um, that the world began by God who spoke. So he spoke his word and the world came about. As we read in Genesis 1-1. How many of you read Genesis 1-1? Still in the beginning are you reading? Hopefully it's the other beginning that you're getting to. Yes? So in Genesis 1-1, you see God creating the heavens and the earth by his word. Now the world doesn't quite believe in that. And in fact, the world is all the more growing against that. And treating this faith in creation um, as inferior to the other Uh, understanding of the beginning of life and the other understanding other um, theory is what the theory of evolution so creation versus evolution and um, in schools today in america you will not um, find in a textbook creation back in my day they actually put us like a separate separate column they talked it talked it talked about the biological um evolution mostly but it also had a section on there's this other belief, which is creation and blah, blah, blah. But nowadays, you don't even mention that word. You can't. Um, because by law, this is what it's taught in school. And, and, and America's sort of late in that because it's founded on the Christian faith. And it's been fighting in the courts to continue teaching creation and have the freedom to do so. But in other parts of the world, evolution is accepted as the truth without a doubt. However... Um, neither creation nor evolution... Uh, uh, can be proven scientifically. Right? As, as much as people like to accept evolution as the truth, and it is a superior way of viewing life, beginning understanding the beginning of life, at the end of the day, it's a theory because nobody was there at the beginning. Do you agree? Has anyone been around the beginning since the beginning? And you can say, wow, you look very young for that, right? So nobody was there when the world began. Um, not just according to creation, but also evolution, the theory of evolution. So beginning, uh, because the beginnings cannot be um, observed, um, cannot be, can, this theory cannot be verified. So um, many Christian scientists or apologetics will call this kind of understanding as more of a historical science um, rather than empirical science. Because what you understand is science is scientific um, through scientific methods and come up with a uh, a law or principle is that you have to be able to observe and verify, have 
proof, have evidence. And on top of that, repeatable. The experiment has to be repeatable in order for it to turn into a law, um, like the law of gravity, for example. So in spite of the fact that no one has observed life um, coming from non-life, as the theory of evolution says, people accept evolution as the truth. They accept evolution as scientific. They accept evolution as being superior form of knowledge and view of a point of view in terms of the beginning of life. And therefore, under believing in creation is seen as unscientific, religious, and folktale, and being brainwashed, and blah, 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 all these negative um, um, concepts and ex- expressions. While the truth is no one was there and no one can prove um, that beginning. Still, um, even so-called Christians today and churches will accept the theory of evolution or they will go uh, and sort of meet halfway and take something called um, theistic evolution. That God created the world through the mechanism called evolution. If you really think about that, like, what? Why would God do that? Because evolution, by definition, means it's a long, random process. It's a random and it's a long process in which a uh, species rises from, uh, uh, existing, uh, from an existing species, comes a new species to give advantage in, um, in its hostile env- environment to survive. Um, so if you think about it that way, God somehow like let things be and then they just came about, it wouldn't make sense. But what the Bible says is that God commanded all things to come and they came. Now, it is worth our time to kind of define the definition of biological evolution because the word itself is thrown out without thrown around without defining clearly in terms of who's using or what. Um, but most, for the most part, um, science says, or this biological evolution is the supposed process in which single cell, simple cell, the first cell, evolve into this diverse life that we see today. Um, through, namely through this process called natural selection and mutation. Um, and when you use that term, it is a little confusing because then people will talk about really like this sort of notion of like non, non-life to life, like amoeba to a more complex life, and basically like blob of molecules to turn into this complex human um, that could actually be a little bit more clearly defined as a macroevolution. It's like from nothing, something comes about. Uh, while there can be some other thing that is described as evolution, which really it should be called microevolution, you know, they call it microevolution, because it's actually small-scale changes in population, just like Darwin's finch. Do you remember Darwin's finch, uh, the birds? The, the different finch- finches will over time have ch- changed the shape of their beak uh, because of the surrounding environment. Um, and that is actually uh, about adaptation and variation and not this switching of species or changing of species. So it's not um, developing a new arm or leg, but it's actually cha- cha- changing its shape, adapting to uh, the environment. Um, so some will actually say, let's call this uh, speciation even, uh, just to be specific and clarify that we're not talking about evolution, but it's about adaptation variation within the same created kind. Um, 
So the bottom line is, is what people understand as evolution, it's really the sort of macro evolution um, that no one can observe and therefore no one can verify. Whereas the micro evolution of these things adapting and, um, and, and, and there are variations within the same kind, a creative kind, you can observe and verify. Uh, in spite of that, however, many Christians and churches and church leaders and even the Pope, uh, the head of the Catholic Church, the current Pope, uh, Francis, um, says he believes and accepts evolution as um, theory explaining the beginning of life. So where does that fit in terms of the biblical truth? Right? The way the Bible begins is in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. So the foundation of the conservative faith, as we read in Hebrews 11.3, and as reiterated here by Paul in Romans 1, is to believe that God created all things by his word. How did he create all things? By his word. He commanded, let there be light, and there was light. Let there be expanse, and there was expanse, a.k.a. space, the universe. Let there be land, the seas gather, and let there be land, and let there be vegetations, and then the seas gather, the land surface, and vegetations came. Let there be the sun, and the moon, and the stars, and the, uh, all the uh, planets, and there came the sun, the moon, the stars, the planets, in the universe, and so on. Do you believe that? You believe that? And it, God made it's so plain like this so that when we look at such things, you don't even have to look so far out to the universe, but just look at a pot of flowers. Look at their petals and the leaves and the shape and the color. You cannot make that. No man can make that. And it cannot come, up, have come about on its own to look like that and function like that and move like that and grow like that and multiply like that. So the more you study the uh, deeper you get into understanding how the sort of biological life works and the cycle of life and, 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 and reproduction, you have to accept the fact that God, though he is invisible, exists. And in fact, he is the creator of all things because God made a plan for men to know him this way. Yet, however, men chose not to believe. So this belief, uh, this refusal to believe in the creator God is by choice. So men don't want to believe in the creator because if you believe in the creator, you have to say, I'm created, and that you are under the creator. So therefore, people say, I don't want to believe God because I don't want to have anyone over my head. I want to be my own boss. I want to be the one who chooses and dictate my own life. I don't want to go and live dependent on someone else. I don't want nobody to tell me what to do. Sounds familiar? 
So that's what they did. They exchanged the glory of their moral God for images made to look like moral human being and birds and animals and reptiles, even though the Bible's um, from the beginning of it. And even in John 1, 1, and in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And verse three, there it says, through him, all things were made without him. Nothing, nothing that has been made. Nothing was made that has been made. So it is through the word. God made the world. So the creator spoke his word and creation obey. So when God said, let there be light, light said, amen. There you go. What did, the, what did the light say? Amen. When God said, come universe, come space. And what did the space say? Amen. That's the firmament, the expanse. When God said, come trees and trees say, Amen. So they all heard the voice of the creator. They obeyed. And that's why uh, Genesis 1, 9, uh, 1, 11, 1, 21, they all say, and God saw that it was bueno. God said it was good. God said it was good. So God speaks, all creation obeys. And that's how God made all things in the six days of creation, including humans. On day six, God made the creatures that walk on the, uh, along the, uh, on the on land, and he made humans, male and female, as we went over um, last week. And he chose one of them later on and breathed into that one man his breath, making him a living being. Genesis 2-7. Read about what the creator did to make man to be a spiritual being. 2-7. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a? The man became a living being. And this man, anyone know his name? Adam. His name was Adam. And Adam became the ancestor of all men today. So when this man, uh, into this man God breathed his breath, which is spirit, man became a living being, a spiritual being living in the flesh, and all men coming after him became spiritual being. Whether you feel it or not, whether you know it or not, that became the reality and destiny for all men. So therefore, I am a living being. Can we say together? I'm a living being. Yes, I'm a living being made in the image of Genesis 1, 27, let us make man and let us make man in the image of God. So I was made in the image of God. Say it with a little bit of proud confidence. I was made in the image of God. That's right. And your neighbor? You too. You too. Whoa. Whoa. That's a good image. Whoa. Good image. Eh? The image of God we were made in. So in the image of God, uh, externally, yes, this is how God made us. But spiritually, he, um, he breathed into our ancestor and made us spirit. Therefore, we are made in his image, not just the way we look, but the fact that we are spirit. We are like God. God is spirit. He made us into spirit. And he is our ancestor who lived in the Garden of Eden. There, he was given the vegetations as his food. But for his spirit, he was given the word of God. Because Adam is creation, a creature. God is the creator. And the, the relationship between the creator and the creation is the word. Just as God commanded light to come, land to come, animals to come, and they all obey. To Adam, God commanded. You can eat everything and anything in this garden except from this one tree. This one tree is called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat of it, you will surely die. And God spoke to the spirit that way because the spirit that is that has been created by God has a relationship with the creator and the link is the connecting point is 
the word. What's the connecting point? The word. So it's the word that he had to obey for his spirit, but a serpent came. And that serpent, we learn, is the devil, the enemy of God, the separator. And he deceived Adam to, to, I mean, it was through Eve, his wife, but the same words are repeated to Adam. And that if he were to eat the fruit, he would become like God. Those are the words spoken to the woman uh, by the serpent and the words that Adam also heard and becomes the motive for him to take the fruit, to be like God. A creature wanting to be like the creator. Is this sin? Yes. That's what's called the original sin. So man's sin, or that's the original sin, and our ancestor committed that sin. Broke the word, even though the word is the connecting point between the creator and and creation. Because he broke the word, he was kicked out of the garden, and a flaming sword was put around to say, now their relationship is what? Broken. Broken. This is because the serpent himself is a fallen angel. Angel who was made to serve God. But Isaiah 14 uh, uh, describes, 12 to 15 describes, that he wanted to be like God. Okay, let's go to 14. 14, 13 to 14. Just for us to save time there. For 13 to uh, 14. Isaiah 14, verse 13 to 14. Help your neighbor if your neighbor is new, struggling. Yeah, 1413. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit and throne in the Mount of Assembly on the utmost heights of Mount Zephon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Who's the most high? Yes, but today God is the creator. There you go. So he, what, what this creature is saying is I will be like the creator. It's like, I don't know, I try to use, I used to like imagine like Plato, like a little Plato man that I make. And then Plato man says, I will be like you. What? I just made you. So you become a pancake. Yeah, that's what I'm going to So sort of like that, right? So a creature saying to the creator, I will be like him. And that was the origin of sin. Different from originals, the original sin that Adam committed. But this is the beginning of sin. He actually becomes sin and he is called Satan. Because this archangel is now called Satan because he rebels against God. And therefore, as verse 15 shows, he was cast down from the spiritual heaven and, and locked in the universe until the great day of judgment. Jude 1.6 also says that. And this is the sin specifically um, phrased as the deifying of creation. So deifying. Deity is God, right? So creature wanting to be God. Making creation like God is called the deification of creation. Is that too, too many words there? What is it? Deification of creation. So deifying, making creation God. And this is sin against God. And therefore God casts this um, uh, angel out of the spiritual heaven. Therefore he becomes a fallen angel. And in the garden he came as serpent um, tempting Adam to sin the same to be like God, take the fruit. But the result was he was broken and cut away from God. But because God is the creator who had planned to, not, um, not only did he create by his word, but he had planned to eventually give birth to all men by the word of truth. He began his work by calling men. And these were the men of faith, starting with Noah, as we read in Hebrews eleven seven, By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. What was Noah warned about? 
things yet unseen. What were we talking about? The flood, the deluge, the global flood. The, the scale is, I mean, you've been watching or hearing news about the flooding in California. It's just devastating and just horrible, just horrible, plainly horrible, just watching the devastation and the loss of life. And I, I don't know about you, but it's a little side, but I feel like apocalypse when I watch that. It's just horrible what, what the, the, the atmosphere, atmospheric river, right? And bringing like endless river and getting so much water there uh, and causing all that flood. Still, nothing compared to the flood in the time of Noah because that flood drowned the entire world. But what the Bible says is by faith, he was saved. But specifically, Genesis 6.22 says... Noah did everything just as God commanded him. He did everything just as what? God commanded him. And God called that faith. So what is faith? Doing just as what what God commanded. What the creator commanded. He's not the only one. Abraham is another man of faith. In fact, he is called the father of faith. And he received the promise that through him, many um, nations will come. Many children will come. But those children will become, the offspring will become kings and kingdoms. Um, And when he received the promise, the sign was having a child at the age of 100, which is an impossible thing, but it happened. By seeing that, experiencing that with his own body, he was to trust God that, yes, in fact, he will have many descendants and many kings will come from his line. So when God commanded him to give his only son, he did so. Simply obey. And referring to that in Genesis 22, 16, 18, he put his son at the altar to burn him up, but God stopped him. And it says, I, God says as a result, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the scars in the sky and so on. And he said, because you have obeyed me. Because Abraham did everything according to what Jehovah commanded him. That's called faith. Moses, also by faith, when called from the burning bush uh, by Jehovah, he was given the work to go and bring the people of Israel out of their slavery. That slavery lasted for what? How many generations? Four generations. Just to get people moving after living in space for a year? Is that easy or what? It's like, when is this going to end? How many boxes do you have? It's like, oh, yeah, I just have a few boxes. Like, it's endless boxes. Like, you live for how many years? One year. Yeah. Try 400 years and having people move. And not only that, they were oppressed and ruled by the Egyptian king. Yet, because God was with him, Moses obeyed. As he said in Exodus 4, 12 to 15, Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. I will help both you of you and your brother Aaron speak and will teach you what to do. And according to what God spoke to him and Aaron, he spoke and he did. And therefore Moses was able to deliver the people of Israel out of their slavery of 430 years in Egypt. How many of you believe that? And the people of Israel were brought into the desert with the promise that they will enter the land of Canaan, which they will receive as their inheritance. And they receive the commandments there, the Ten Commandments. What is the first commandment of the Ten Commandments? You shall have no other gods before me. That's number one. Numero dos? Number two? No idols. You shall make, you shall not make for yourself an image. In the form of anything, this is in Exodus 23 to 5, in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. So no fish, no birds, no animal, no anything. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. And if you do, I will curse you for how many generations? Three. 
and plus. Three and plus. Not only you will suffer, if you bow down to idol, you will die, you will be cursed and you will die. But your, down your generations will be cursed as a result of it. Because God is serious about idolatry. Because idolatry, making an image and bowing down to it, is going against the creator God. Right? So these two commandments. The first commandment is like the heading for all ten commandments. That there is no other God. Um, put no other God. Worship no other gods before me. So small g. So there are other gods. Godly beings. Like spiritual beings. God made them. But there is no true God but the Lord God. And therefore you are to worship only the true God, the only God, the creator. And if you were to bow down to anyone else, you are committing idolatry. So idol, by definition, is a creature making, a creation making creation. Like a cre- <laughs> so three creatures. So cre- creatures, um, cre- idol- uh, idols are creation made by creation. What did I say? Idols are made, creation making creation. Right? Because if, if I'm a creature and I make something and I bow down to it, that is a creature bowing down to another creature, creation to creation, while God is the creator. Therefore, bowing down to an idol is creature that is made in the image of God, bowing down to images of animals and all these other creatures. Therefore, insult. It's an insult. Insult to God. And do you think God will tolerate anyone insulting him? Absolutely not. That's why God tested the people of Israel for 40 years in the desert and more. Um, So even in the desert, when Moses went up to the mountain to receive these commandments, and they did not see Moses, uh, and they became nervous. They said, where is this guy, this fellow, this fellow who brought us out of Egypt? We don't see him. So we need to see God. They could not believe in the God who was invisible. They needed a visible God because they consider Moses like God, seeing him perform all these signs. So signs, And they said, we want a God before us so we could see him. And then Aaron said, bring me all your joys and then I'll make what? A golden? Hello, golden? Golden calf, golden calf. And then people bow down to the golden calf and there is idolatry right there. And God saw that, therefore, as detestable, and God commanded Moses, through Moses commanding the people, to take up swords and kill those who committed this idolatry, even if it were their own family members. Wow, this loving God, this merciful God, becomes merciless when it comes to idolatry. So on that day, one day, 3,000 were killed because they committed idolatry. Because deifying creation is insult to God, the creator, an insult of the image of God. So the temple was built later on in Jerusalem, but before the tabernacle in the desert, of course, where the name of the creator uh, was. And in the Old Testament, the people of Israel, this name was revealed as the name of Jehovah. So that was in the temple and the stone tablets that had the Ten Commandments, no other God before me and no idols, no image, and do not bow down to idols. There were reminders inside the ark so that the people of Israel understood that they will be blessed if they keep these commandments. They will be cursed if they did not. But because they did not obey and they began to worship other gods and commit idolatry, God punished them. So they were tossed around by, uh, from one nation to another. And even the temple was torn down once. But when it was rebuilt, by the time the Son of God came, they were under the farm power of the Roman Empire. 
Standing before that very important temple to the Jewish people, what did Yeshua say? Jesus, what did he say? Destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. So he was speaking about this temple that had the name of Jehovah delivered to the people of Israel by the angel of the Lord. And even that was a pride and honor and hope for the people of Israel. But Yeshua is saying, destroy this temple. I'll raise it again in three days. Speaking of the temple of his body. He was speaking of the death and the resurrection of the temple of his body. And saying that in, when he resurrects, he will, re, he will reveal in the Father's name of Yeshua, not Jehovah. And that he will speak to the people, not through the angel or not even through Moses, but himself as the Son of God. And the Son of God came as the Son of Man. The Son of Man, that he will reveal himself uh, to not just the Jewish people, the people of Israel, but the souls of all men as the Creator God himself. Let's go to Hebrews 1, 1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times in various ways. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the universe. So pause there for a second. So in the, in the past, the prophets, right? This is how God delivered his message to the people of Israel, through the angels, through the prophets. So they heard the voice of God, the word of God, through the angel, through the prophets. But now, meaning since the day that Yeshua came to the world and forward, it is through the son that he will speak, that he is speaking through the son. And the son is the God who became man. The God who came as man. And he came in which name? Not Jehovah, but Yeshua. Yeshua. Jesus in English, but Yeshua in the original pronunciation. Yeshua. And that it says, it is through the Son God made the universe. Not just this abstract God, smoky, long-bearded old man floating in clouds. and This old man. God has no age. The eternal God has no age. Again, we have to kind of like wipe that out. Eternity does not mean old. It means no time at all. In fact, he does not age because he is spirit. But the spirit God who created the heavens and the earth here, it says, it is through the sun he made. And verse 3 says what? That the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. What is he doing? Sustaining all things by what? His powerful word not only did he create the world but what is he doing he is sustaining the world you want to know how the planets are still being held in their places the sun is not falling from the sky and we are just beautifully dancing the moon and the earth are beautifully dancing without colliding into each other because you know scientists describe that as gravity but this is because the powerful word put them there and keeps them there because he is the creator. Hallelujah. And who is the creator? Go to John 1, 1. And let's read 1, 1, 2, 3. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Who is he here? The pronoun he. He, him, he. Through him, without him. Who is he? The word. There you go. You know, if I say this to anyone, they'll go, God. I'm like, no, it doesn't say God. We're still talking about the word. Hologos. That is the self-manifestation of God. What is hologos? Who is hologos? The self-manifestation. Because God is invisible. If you remember from last week, the invisible one, we cannot see him. Therefore, we do not know him on our own. 
unless he reveals himself to us first. And he decided to reveal himself first. In eternity, he made that decision. And he was going to do that as the word. And it is through the word, what did he do? Create the world. The one who called light to come. The one who called the space, to the universe to come. The one who called uh, the land to come. The vegetation, the water, the planets, the animals, and male and female, humans. The one who called them by his word is the word. And then verse 14 says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Verse 18, no one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. Because this is Father's side. We're thinking like next to him. But in the early translations, Father's bosom. So it's like my hand inside my jacket. That intimate oneness with the Father. And then now has been revealed. Even though he was born a baby through the virgin's body and went through that development, like every one of us, the human body, his origin, who he is, is that he is the word in the beginning. Amen. And the word in the beginning is God, specifically the creator. How many of you believe that? So the word became flesh. Say it with me. God became flesh. What are we going to say? The creator became flesh. Wow. Wow. So when he said in John 10, 30, I and the father are one. The Jews who heard him, who had been instilled for generations, there is no other God, but the Lord God. Do not worship any other God, but the Lord God. Do not make an image or bow down to an image. So their monotheistic faith, like their obsession with that understanding their faith And then here's a man saying, I and the father are one. In their eyes, he's just a man, right? His name is Yeshua. They remember being him growing up in their town or hearing about it. And he says, I and the father are one. Is this acceptable to them? It was not. This was blasphemy. This is sin. This is grave sin. You cannot let a man like that live. That's why they conspired to kill him. But this was all according to God's plan. Now, in in the past, they heard about God and knew of God through the word that was delivered through the angel, through Moses, through the prophets. But here, finally, God, the God, the incarnate God, the, the God who came as man, speaking to them, they certainly could not accept it. So John John one ten there it says he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which is. His own, but his own did not receive him. Because you can't accept the creator walking and, and talking, sleeping and eating and going pee-pee and poo-poo too, like every, everyone else. That's, a, that's what creature does. He cannot be the creator. But he is the creator, the word who is the self-manifestation of God, which means there's no other way for God to. There's no other way that God decided to reveal himself, manifest himself, no other than the word. So the word, whole logos, is the greatest measure that creations can know the creator. Well said? Understood? So the word is the greatest measure that God, the creator, can reveal himself to the creation. So if I'm a creation, do you believe you're a creation? That you have been created? The greatest way, the best way, the maximum level of knowing God 
is the Word. The Word who became flesh. And He is the Son of God, the Son of Man, Yeshua, the invisible God who became visible. Hallelujah. And He spoke the words, His words, but His words are not His own, as He said in John 12, 49 to 50. For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. I know that His command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just as who told me to say? The Father. Who is the Father? The Creator God, as people understood. So the words that he spoke, he is the Creator God himself, but he was sent by the, the Father God who is the part of God who made plan, who made the decision, who made his will. And according to that will, the part of God called the Word came to become flesh and to become flesh in order to die. As Matthew 20, 28, he said, the son of man did not come to the world to be served, but to serve by becoming a ransom for many. So becoming a ransom means to die. To die. So, of course, nobody understood. And no one understood what he was saying. No one really accepted the fact that he was the creator God. But there were a few disciples who were with him when they went up to mountain Matthew 17, which is called the Mount of Transfiguration. And Yeshua transfigured, and before them was Elijah, Moses, and there's Yeshua there. And they said, wow, this place is amazing. Our rabbi is one of them. Let's make shelters to commemorate this amazing sight, amazing experience. But there was a voice coming from heaven, and that frightened the disciples. They just fell, but the voice said, what? This is my son. Not Elijah, not Moses, but Yeshua, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. So what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? Listen to him. Not to Moses, not to Elijah, but listen to Yeshua. Because Yeshua spoke the word of the, of the, oh my goodness. Are you with me? I'm like pulling you guys. Come on, come with me. And then like I'm losing people. Like eventually it's like. We got to come, come, come. You need to know the creator God. You need to know Yeshua as the creator God and live according to that in order for you to be blessed and finally see his face in that day. Amen? Yes. So listen to him. Meaning Yeshua is not just one of the humans. He's not just a great man. A lot of us say, well, Yeshua is so admirable, respectful, so lovable. Like I want to know him because he's an amazing man. Like I have respect for Buddha. I have respect for Mohammed. I have respect for Yeshua. Certainly among the humans, he seems to be this amazing, great man. But he is not one of men. He is not one of the creatures. He is the creator God himself. Amen. We must open our eyes to who he is. So when the angel, of course, certainly again, as I said about Mary, Mary uh, receiving this sentence, basically it's a death sentence. When the angel said, like, you will have the son of God. And she's a virgin, promised, in, like, uh, engaged to get married and then suddenly she's gonna be pregnant it's death sentence but god bless her for she had great faith trusting that nothing is impossible with god because he's the creator who made all things in heaven and earth and what can stop him from a baby be born through a virgin's body so that's why she said may your word to me be what fulfilled 
And that's why the word, that's how the word fell on our body like a seed. And the word became flesh. And that's the flesh of Yeshua. He is the word in the beginning. He is the word who made the world, who spoke and made the world by his word. And when he came and spoke, his words, therefore, are words of the word. Amen? If you're like in and out, words, 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 like, what? Words, words, words. The words of the capital letter W, whole logos. So therefore, imagine the authority. Even though the, his, the people did not recognize him. Sto- uh, even unclean spirit, demons recognize him. Because they're now out of the flesh. They can see and recognize Yeshua for who he is. So in Mark 25 and 27... We read about a man who is possessed by unclean spirit inside a synagogue where Yeshua enters and then the man starts speaking and screaming, we know who you are and you are the son, uh, you are uh, the son of God. And, and then Yeshua said, turning to him, be quiet, come out of him. Not speaking to the man, but the unclean spirit that was possessing his body. And then it says the unclean spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. Ah! It was like so chaotic scenes. Like it's a quiet place and people were praying, but suddenly they're screaming and people, everybody's watching and they're shocked. They're shocked. And then they say, what is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure, unclean spirits and they obey him. What do they do? These unclean spirits, they obey him because who is he? He is the creator. Pause for a second. Shouldn't we be better than unclean spirits? What do you think? I should be better than unclean spirit. Because even unclean spirits, what do they do? They obey him. Are you better than unclean spirit? We'll see about that. There was a time when the disciples and Yeshua were out on a boat in the sea and there was a storm. And they were frightened. And he, he was conveniently taking a nap. And they were just screaming for their life. And he got up. What is all this ruckus about? He looked around. And then he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. And the wind died down. And it was completely calm. And the disciples, they were so shocked, so frightened. They said to each other, who is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. What do the winds uh, winds and the waves do? They obey. Unclean spirits obeyed him. The winds and the waves obeyed him. Because who is he? He is the creator. And another time he went to a fig tree and looking for fruit, it was not there because it was out of season. Right? It's not time for figs to come out. But Yeshua, I want, I'm hungry. Where's the fig? Where's the fruit? The tree had none. And what did the Lord do? He cursed it. Oh my gosh, such an unliving, unloving, impatient, hungry man. He was hangry. Oh my goodness. What's wrong with him? But what happens is the point. When he cursed it, he said, may you never bear fruit again. What happened to the tree? In Matthew 21, 19, it says, immediately the tree withered. And the disciple Peter went and saw it. (gasps) This is to see that the word of Yeshua is the word of the creator, the word who spoke and made the world, for he is the creator. But not accepting him for what he said, the, Jew, the Jews and the Jewish leaders um, conspired to pass him over to death because of what he said about who he was and that he was sent by the Father God, that he was speaking God's word. Because of that, they passed him over to death. 
But that was exactly why the word became flesh. That's exactly why the father God sent him. So when he died on the cross, Yeshua was not resentful, sorry, or scared, or sad even. But he declared calmly and boldly. What did he say? It is finished. That was the moment of the completion of the purpose of the incarnation of the word. That was the moment that he complete achieved the will of the father that sent him as man. Because it was the moment the very nature died. As Philippians chapter 2, 6, 8 describes him. He's the very nature God. Equal to God. Yeshua is equal to God. Because he is God who made the world. He is God. But he became man and he came into the world that he himself made. He was made like a creation, even though he's the creator. Do you see the irony in this? That the creator coming into the created world like a creation. And while he is like a creation, being born, living, and finally dying like a creation, like a creature. It was the moment that he had to obey to death. Because the remem- remember, the connection between the creator and creation is what? The word. The creator speaks and creation does what? You don't want to say it? The creation speaks and create, the, cre- the creator speaks and creation. So you need to help me because you guys are like, seriously, you know what? You want to create a good preacher? You want to, you want to help preacher to be a good preacher? You got to say amen. You got to stay awake and absorb. Amen. Yes. Once again, the, crea- the connection between the creator and creation is the word. The father spoke, John 10, 18. I lay down my life willingly because this is a command. I, not because someone takes it away from me, but this is the authority uh, that I've been given. The authority to lay down my life and to take it up again. This command I receive from the father. When did he receive the command? In the beginning, as the word, he received the command. The father spoke to the son. And because of that word, the word became flesh. And it was for him to deny himself. Deny himself to death. Not following the commands of the flesh. Desire of the flesh. But listening and obeying and submitting to the father's command alone. And he laid on his life completely, perfectly. And said, it is finished. And therefore, into your hands, father, I commit my spirit. And the father received him. Hallelujah. So even though he's the creator in the creator world, he did not transpass. He did not transcend or surpass the command of the creator God, the father. Do you understand? Being made like a creature, creation, he had to obey even to the point of death, the word of the father. Because the connection between the creator and creation, the connection between the father and the son is the word. I know that his command leads to eternal life. Therefore, he laid down his life willingly. And through his um, Humble and willing submission to death. He condemned the origin of sin. The one who deified him. Attempted to deify himself. Even though he's a creature. Who is that? That's the, the devil Satan. And through his torn flesh. He shed his precious blood. So his death was to, to substitute the death of all men. That is to pay the price of sin. So as he died. He died as the last Adam. Dying with the sin of the first Adam. That is all men. And that death is not physical, but spiritual. The price of sin was paid through his death, but his blood was shed. That is the word of truth. What is his blood? The word of truth. So that in the end, later on, 
Those who hear the word, drink my blood. And they say, amen. I will receive your blood and drink your blood. Drink the word of truth and be born again and become what? Children of God. That's what he did. He made the way and prepared the way for whosoever believed to become children of God. Hallelujah. So James 1.18 says he chose to give birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. He died and it was a total death. But in three days, the father raised him back to life. Yeshua resurrected and he ascended to heaven and sat down on the throne. And the book of Revelation describes him as the lamb. He who looked as though he was slain, he appeared as the lamb, lamb who was slain. Because a lamb is sacrificed, who was slain, and he had marks on his body. This is the vision of John in heaven. So he is seated on the throne as a lamb, but he is the king who laid on his life. In order for him to become the king, in order for him to take the throne, he had to obey the father's command, being made like a creation. He had to go through the process of laying down his life, becoming nothing, and denying himself, and honoring the father's command. And because of that, Now he's seated on the throne as the king of kings. And the throne means it's the place where the king commands. Amen. Are you not sure if you should say amen? It's like, I don't really like the word command. Sorry, it doesn't matter what you like or not. This is the reality of God. Of his plan being achieved through the death of the son, Yeshua. And having achieved that, the father raised him up to to heaven, and he's on the throne now as the king of kings. What he speaks is the law. What he speaks must be honored because he is the king. He is the creator who speaks. So Hebrews 1, 3, again, he sustains all things by his powerful word. And Revelation 4, 11, it says, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. And by your will, they were created and have their being. That's what the praise is about in heaven to the one who sits on the throne. That's the Lamb of God, Yeshua. Angels are singing, the elders will sing, and we so long to go there and sing these words that you created all things and they were created and have their beings because you are the creator. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit came to the believers in the world. Say amen if you believe that you are a believer of Yeshua. You are a now you can't just be a believer of Yeshua and not believe in the creator. Right? If you say, well, I believe Yeshua that he was a man. I mean, that's not, that's not, that's not faith. The Bible, the, the history, uh, history books say, you know, Buddha was born uh, some thousands of years ago. Muhammad was around, you know, some AD, some and hundreds later after that. And Yeshua 2,000 years ago. You don't need faith for that. History uh, has, doc, doc, it, we have documentation and historical evidence for their existence. Now, when you say, I, have, I believe in Yeshua, it means you believe that he is the God. As the word in the beginning who created all things by his word. How many of you believe in Yeshua as the creator of all things? Amen. That's what faith is. That all things were made by the word of God. And therefore you are saying in the same note when you're saying amen. I am a creation. I'm a creation. And you know what kind of creation? 2 Corinthians 5, 11 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Hallelujah. Why is this good news that I'm a new creation? 
Because a believer is someone who knows himself as a soul, not just flesh, but soul, has been created by the creator. And his name is Yeshua, the word in the beginning. He made me, but not only made me, gave birth to me in his precious blood. Now I call him Abba Father. John 1, 12, whoever believes and receives, receives the right to become the children of God. I'm a child of God. Amen. I believe and I receive the blood of Yeshua and in his blood. And by his word, I have been baptized in his name. And now I'm a new creation hallelujah again i'm a new creation turn to your neighbor ask them are you a new creation yeah i'm same all same all same all see when paul said the new creation has come this is the good news folks good news This is good news because in the Old Testament times, it was only the Jewish people, the people who come in the line of Abraham as Abraham's children and in the line, the flesh and blood of Abraham, the people of Israel who can know God, who can hear from God and who are ruled by his word and blessed by his word as a result of obeying his command as not worshiping other gods and not bowing down to idols. They were blessed and they considered to this day as their great privilege. And Gentiles, therefore, are outside. That's why in Ephesians 2, it says, you are godless, hopeless, godless, outside of covenant. That's the definition of Gentile, a pagan. We did not know God. By birth, we are outside of the covenant. That's the past, but then a new has come, and that is through the works of Yeshua, who died to redeem the sins of men, pay the price of sin, and shed his precious blood. Whosoever knows that he's a soul, and whosoever confesses he's a sinner, therefore desperate for the redeeming blood to enter his soul, to be washed, to be renewed, can receive and become a new creation, and therefore it is the greatest news. Hallelujah! Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So regardless of your past, of your birth, Regardless of who your parents are and your great-grandparents are, which line you come from. Regardless of what you had done in your life previous, prior to coming to Christ. Now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you are a new creation created in Christ Jesus in Yeshua to do his honorable, glorious work. Are you excited about that? No questions asked about your past because your past has now been drowned, buried in the blood of Yeshua. And the great work, the Lord's work is this. May your word to be, were your, may your word to me be fulfilled. May your word to me be fulfilled. Let it be done according to your word. Just as the Lord's prayer says, our father who are in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As the Lord taught the disciples, this is how you're to pray. But that is actually the life of Yeshua and therefore the life of the followers of Yeshua. Which is to say, let your will be done in my life. That is the same as may your word to me. What you speak to me, according to what you said to me, let it be done in me, in my life. That's the reason why we pray. That's the reason why we live as creation. Now a new creation. I am not to go out and live and pursuing 
following after images and images. And nowadays, this is so real for you, especially your generation, this culture, current culture. It's all about images, all about images, all about what you see, what you see and get stuck in your head and pursuing after what to look like, how to look like, what to have so that you have this image. Everything is all about Instagram, all about selfie. Everything is about image. But it is to destroy those images. We're not to pursue over those images and make them our God. No, we demolish them. There's only one God and that's the creator, Yeshua. And we are to pursue him in his word and pray that his will be done in my life. And how was Yeshua able to do that? Total, perfect self-denial. That's why he said, take up your cross and follow me. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me in Luke 9, 23. There he says, daily take up your cross and follow me. So what is the cross? Cross is not just a symbol and a piece of jewelry or of decoration or some symbol for Christianity. The cross is self-denial. The cross is to say no to what the flesh craves, what the brain craves. And say yes to what the creator commands. What is the connection between the creator and creation? I know. Now you're like, it's always the same. It's always the same. It is always the same. I'm talking about one God and I'm talking from one book. So what do you expect? But isn't it amazing that every week we have slight different focus? Hallelujah. So the Lord said, come to the disciples and whatever they were doing, collecting taxes and fishing on the sea, they let go of their nets. They let go of the coins that they were counting. Whatever they were doing, they let go. Immediately they followed him. They recognized his voice and they could not refuse his voice. There was such authority and weight and sincerity and and power that they could not refuse. And they had not even received the Holy Spirit then. So how much more for those of us who have received the Holy Spirit to say no to what the body wants to do, no to what the brain is sending signal to? Because the command 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 tower for this body is the brain, right? The command central for this flesh is the brain. The brain, as I said last week, the brain creates images, right? People, when they lose sensory of hearing and sight, the brain creates its own image, you could call it hallucination or dreaming or whatever, but they actually see. They see. They see people. They see things. They see food. They see animals. They see because the brain is creating that. So if you're doing everything because your brain tells you, your brain says, let's rest, let's eat, let's go here, let's go there, your brain is your God. But if you had said, I'm creation, that means I have a creator and it's not my brain. It's not my stomach. It's not my brain. It is the creator, Yeshua. Let's go to Romans 8, 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits an eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. Say amen if you receive the blood of Yeshua and believe that you have become a child of God. That you have a heavenly father because you receive his blood. Amen? So we are children, but we still have the promise to become heirs. So in 8.16 and and then it it says, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. 
So heir means we have go through this maturity and heirs to become heirs were to be mature and go through um, this prize, the glorious crown, which is the resurrection. Resurrection to glorious body. The first resurrection. Only through that we become heirs to take the thrones in heaven. So from now, become a child of God, I need to grow and change, mature in my faith and faith life in order to be found as heirs of God. Do you understand that? But that process then involves suffering. Although I always feel sorry for saying these words. Like we don't really deserve to say suffering what we go through in this life. These were written, in, these words were written to the early Christians. The Holy Spirit writing through, writing to them and saying, those who were physically being suffered, going through suffering, they were tormented, tortured, imprisoned, flogged, cut into pieces, given to the animals and fought the animals as gladiators and they were burned alive and they were starved and they were beaten and they were, they went through so many, so much hardship and so many things and they, their life, they all ended up uh, being martyred for their faith. So their suffering was so real. And for us here today who comfortably can say, I'm a Christian, it's embarrassing and, and we feel very bad about that. That said, however, it does not mean that in this age there's no suffering. Because as a creature, I need to, as a creation, I need to live by the word of the creator. And that means saying no to the cravings of the flesh, the command of the brain. And that means, yes, denying myself. And it means suffering, hardship, isolation, persecution, mocking, at times poverty, and even sickness. We go through these difficult times to be tested and it is a time that I say I am choosing to suffer and choosing to deny the the calling and the command the instruction of my brain and my flesh and instead rather rather I rather die and say no to these instructions than to in order for me to say yes to the command of my creator the creator of all things So that's why the Holy Spirit is groaning in us, groaning because we keep forgetting that we are creatures throughout the week. We are so, so tempted and so tested by what we see, these images. But the Holy Spirit reminds us that we are to not become, be in bondage to decay. What is decay? What is going to decay? What is, what is decaying and rotting and, and that's going to eventually disappear? It's the flesh. If you're following what the flesh is saying, eat this, touch this, go this, do this, meet with this, this, hear this, listen to this, and taste this, and be with, and all of that is all flesh. It's being bondage, in bondage to decay. If you're a man of the Holy Spirit, you have to become loosened from that bondage. And finally, when the Lord comes back in all glory, as 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 to 17 says, the Lord himself will come down from heaven with the loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, it says. So when the Lord comes with the loud command, what command do you think he will say? What one word will he say? Rise, rise, rise. And who's going to hear and rise? Those who come to church once a week? Sometimes? Then nothing, go, nothing fun's happening, I come. Something great, fun stuff is happening, I don't come. I'm lonely, so I come. But I got a lot of friends, I don't come. 
I'm making a lot of money. I'm so busy with that. Or I have to make a lot of money. I need money. So I'm going to go to work so I don't come. They're not going to rise. The only ones who are going to have the power to rise in that day are going to be those who successfully daily, daily, daily submit themselves before the word of the creator. Daily. Beginning their days on their knees and say, I'm a creation and I worship you. I bow down before you. Speak to me. Speak to me your word. And I will live according to your word. May your word to me be done. May your word to me be fulfilled. Only those who live according to the command of the creator can come out to rise. If you can't even get up when your regional leader or your friend is calling, hey, let's go pray, let's go pray. How are you going to rise if you can't even rise from your bed? What kind of church should we be here at COJ? Not the kind of church where all kinds of people come and fill up every space so the church is full of people. That's great. It is great. But it must be a place where the word of the creator is declared. The word of Yeshua. The word of the king of kings. Do you expect that from your church? That's why you have to pray for and work hard. That the truth is defended. Only the truth. The word of truth is declared now until the end of the world. Until the Lord comes back. Amen. And the Lord's day worship is the place and time. It's the site in which the word is heard. The word of the truth. The word of the creator is declared and received. In this hour. That's what's happening. And as blessing I'm giving that word a reminder. A wake up call. So that I don't give up. A wake up call so I'm encouraged. A wake up call so I keep the run. Keep running the race. So I live this life of a saint. Now knowing who my creator is. Who's your creator? Who's your creator? And you are a new creation. Amen. And if I'm a new creation. I bow down not to idols. Oh, I don't bow down to Buddha. No, Buddha, it's not, Buddha is just one of the idols. Second Timothy 3, 1 to 5, talking about the end times. This is, but mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money. Boastful. Proud. Abusive. Disobedient to their parents. Ungrateful. Unholy. Without love. Unforgiving. Slanderous. Without self-control. Brutal. Not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying its power have nothing to do with such people. So idolatry by definition is loving a creature or creatures, loving creation like one ought to love the creator. That's what idolatry is. We're not talking about carving images out of birds or oxen and bow down to that golden calf. We're talking about loving money, loving fame, loving themselves. For themselves. I need my me time, me this, me that, me that. That's the trend out in the world. I know that's the culture we live in. Even so, we ought to live separated. That's why we gather in his name. That's why we come into the, to the body of Christ once a week starting by the Lord they worship and getting the strength to live each and every day daily denying those words, denying those temptations and denying those sounds and they do not become the instructions of my life but rather defying them, rejecting them. I live by the word of Yeshua, my creator, the creator of all things. So it is not to love jobs. Oh, I don't love my job, but I just need to pay the bills. That's why sometimes I don't come to church. 
So let's think about that. Who's your boss? My boss. Who pays me? Who pays me? My boss. So then your boss is your God. Yeah, it's easy for you to say because you're a pastor. We've all, I've been in your shoes as well. We have to go through those fights. We have, to, we have to fight and we have to struggle. Let the, for the word to be, the word spoken to me be fulfilled. I need to struggle. I need to fight. I need to suffer. That's what the cross means, folks. Cross is not accessory. It's not a bag. It's not a walk in the park. It is difficult. But I choose that way because I chose to believe in the creator. I chose to say I'm creation. So your body may say, I want to rest. I want to go to vacay. I want to relax like everyone else. Why can't I do that? You can do that. You make your body, your brain, your God. Your stomach, your God. Yes. Speaking of pagans, the Bible says their stomach is their God. You come to church because you want to eat. Your stomach is your God. Although we try to get to you through, through your stomach. Yes. In the beginning, it's okay. In the beginning, I understand. That's, we're all hungry. We're hungry for love. We're hungry for food. Whatever. But if you continue come, one keeps on coming for that, they never meet the creator God. If I have met the creator of God, then I need to never forget that I'm a creature, I'm created, and I need to say amen to whatever he says. If God said, let there be light, and light said amen, light come, amen, universe come, and amen, and trees he said come, and, and said amen, and fish come, and say amen, animals come, and say amen, and God says to you, come, and you say no. I don't feel like it. Come to pray. Come to serve. Now, I don't want to. That's what we're working with, folks. We're not talking about terrible threes or terrible twos. These little children, when they learn the word no, they know the power of the word no. No, 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 no. And you're like, but there are many people who are like toddlers here. As I said, shouldn't we be better than unclean spirits? Shouldn't we be better than the fig tree? Shouldn't I be better than the winds and the storms? And obey. Still, I don't feel like it. I want you to think before you say those words. Who am I? Who is God? Do I have connection with God? The connection between the creator and creation is the word. The connection between the father and the son is the word. The connection between Yeshua, my Lord, my king, and the saint is the word. So if the word says, come, I need to come. The word says, pray, I need to pray. The word says, bow down to me, kneel. I need to kneel and pray. The word says, go out and be my witness. I need to testify. If the word says, say no and deny yourself, I need to say, amen. It's hard. That's why we pray. And when we pray, he gives us power. He gives us strength just enough to get through this day. Amen. If we live only one day at a time. Our God is good. God, looking at this beautiful created world, can you imagine how beautiful heaven is? How beautiful it must be. But it is not for those who do not obey his command while they're alive. Let me tell you that. If you brain, your body, you're so tired, you want to go out and eat, and I don't want to come to church, I don't want to gather. Do I have to? No, I'm going to do my way. That's your religion. That's your idol. Good luck with that. But the God that I know from the Bible, the Lord says, you need to obey my word. Yes, this is going against the trends of the world, but this is timeless. This is the eternal word of God, the word of the creator. Hallelujah. Let's pray. I'm a creation. So I need to listen to the command of the creator. Lord, help me to live as a new creation. 
Let this flesh not be my commander. This flesh is not the creator. Let me not idolize my senses, my feelings. Let me not idolize the world. But you alone are my God, my creator, my Lord, my king. Speak to me loudly. So your word to me be fulfilled. Let your word be done in me, in my life. I surrender to you. So help me. Let's raise our hands and surrender before the creator. Who alone is the object of my worship, our worship, our submission. And call on his name. Yeshua. Yeshua.